Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Well, thank you for being with me yet once again. It means the world to me that you would allow me to teach you today. And I trust you enjoyed my dear friend, Pastor John Amstutz, this past week. His amazing teaching on the church and who we are to be and how we're to care for each other and the responsibility we have to support the church. I I sure love that guy. Well, we're concluding our series on the 23rd Psalm, Confident in God Our Shepherd. And today we're going to see the confidence that David has in his forever. You know, this psalm really is a summary, an amazing summary of who God is. David is writing now as the king, as a shepherd boy who grew up, and in the palace place, he's reminiscing over his life. He's powerful. He has position, armies under his command, servants at his beck and call, but he remembers who God is and wants us to do the same. The trust in God, our shepherd, no matter what happens to us, how life treats us, or how many we want to answer when there is only uncertainty, and what people do or say about us, like us or dislike us. David tells us about the care of God. We're never alone. And that same heart that God has for us as the shepherd is the same heart that Jesus has for us as our good shepherd and the Holy Spirit, our guide. God is good all the way through. And the beauty of this psalm is it's an amazing declaration of who God is and how he works. It's not a petition. It's not a request. It's not a prayer. It's a declaration that says, God is with me all the time. As we start this psalm, we recognize he's talking about he. And then in verse 4, David, the psalmist, goes from talking about the Lord in third person to speaking to the Lord in second person. He goes from saying, he leads me, he guides me, to you are with me, and becomes an intimate conversation. So this deep declaration of who God is and how he cares for his followers is something that should build confidence inside of us. He's confident in his shepherd. This psalm is one that has been so appropriate for the season that we've been through. So let's read it together. Psalm 23, verse 1 to 6. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You've anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And with confidence, David says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Psalm 23, 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, 
and I will with certainty dwell in the house of the Lord forever with confidence. Confident that those two sheepdogs, goodness and mercy, are there with us. Goodness providing us what we never could provide on our own. And mercy, well, after all, we're people who, who sin and disobey God, and we need his mercy. And then that statement, I will dwell. Well, what's the confidence based on? It's based on his experience with God, the God who keeps his promises, the God who's been faithful to David through it all. The Lord has been his shepherd, and he never ceased being a shepherd. Every promise in the psalm hangs on the power of this promise. The Lord is my shepherd. The psalmist says, I believe in God. I believe that God cares for me, and I believe that God cares about me. I believe that he's compassionate and and has the power to come through in every situation and circumstance. Can I ask you a quick question? Do you believe that? Do you truly believe that God is all that we need, and if he's guiding us and leading us, then we're never alone? At the end of his Philippian letter, Paul wrote this, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. But but there's a temptation for us to live our lives at the corner of complaint and regret. If only I had this, or if only that would have happened to me, or if she or he would not have left, or if they would just acknowledge my presence and affirm me. But the promise of Psalm 23 is that we will have everything we really need for a life worth living. And David could not rest. It was God that made him lie down in green pastures, cool places to graze, and besides quiet waters. It was God who knew that noisy waters would scare the sheep. It was God who knew that if we got too close to the fast currents, that we would drown. And it was God who knew exactly what I needed to restore my soul. That's what David says, and that's what we can say. And there he was to guide me in paths that were right and righteous because I'd lose my way. He did things for me and through me that I could not do, and it was for his name's sake. Because after all, his name's on our life. And when I was in the darkness of the caves, And walking through places that felt like death, David said, I did not need to fear, nor do we, because God was with me. I was able to live an even though kind of life, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I will not be afraid. God is with me. My shepherd is right there. His rod and staff, the the tools that he uses to protect and guide me are right there, and they bring me comfort. And my shepherd, he calls me in. (laughs) He calls me to a place where he set a table for me to sit at with him and enjoy fellowship with him and allow the enemy, the defeated enemy, to be paraded in front of us, a sign of victory and overcoming. He anointed my head with oil and brought his oil, cleansing away the, the parasites that were trying to mess with my head the thoughts that were flying around in my head, the lies that I was believing. And he fills me up, allows my cup to overflow so I can serve others. And those two sheepdogs I mentioned earlier, goodness and mercy are pursuing me. 
I hear them barking. (laughs) Get back in line whenever I get off track or begin to doubt. And because of all of that, God is, and my experience with him is, that which builds an amazing confidence in my life. And I will live with him now and forever. David is a sheep fully satisfied in his shepherd, at home with him. And he says, I want no other shepherd. Rest from the burden of a small God. Why? Because I found the Lord. Rest from doing things my way. Why? Because the Lord is my shepherd. Rest from endless wants. Why? Because I shall not want. Rest from weariness. Why? Because he makes me lie down and rest. Rest from worry. Why? Because he leads me. Rest from hopelessness. Why? Because he restores my soul. Rest from guilt. Why? Because he leads me in paths of righteousness. Rest from arrogance. Why? Because of his namesake. Rest from the valley of death. Why? Because he walks me through it. Rest from the shadow of grief. Why? Because he guides me. Rest from fear. Why? Because his presence comforts me. Rest from shame. Why? Because he has prepared a place for me in the presence of my enemies. Rest from my disappointments. Why? Because he anoints me. Rest from envy. Why? Because my cup overflows. We have so much. Rest from doubt. Why? Because he follows me. Rest from homesickness. Why? Because I will dwell in the house of my Lord forever. And with confidence, David says, I am going to be with the Lord forever in his house. Now, it's more than a sanctuary, a a church, a temple, a meeting place. It's a place of relationship. And David has no desire to change that. The shepherd, committed now and for all eternity to us. And David says, I'm at home with the shepherd. And he's boasting about him, and why not? Philip Keller himself, a shepherd, wrote a masterful book many years ago called The Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. And in it he writes, as winter, with its cold rains and chilling winds came on, my neighbor's sickly sheep would stand huddled at the fence. Their tails to the storm facing the rich fields in which my flock flourished. Those poor, abused, and neglected creatures under the ownership of a heartless rancher had known nothing but suffering most of the year. With them, there had been hunger all summer. They were thin, sickly, with disease, with scabs, with parasites, tormented by flies and attacked by predators. And some were so weak and skinny that their legs could barely hold up their weakened frames. I could see in their eyes the faint hope that perhaps a bit of luck would come their way, or possibly they could meander down to the edge of the fence or find a gap in the fence and free themselves, and occasionally that would happen, and they would slip in and gorge themselves on the rich green grass. Keller went on to say that those sheep 
never became his. He would not rightfully care for them. But Keller went on to say how Satan has a hold on so many people who live their lives apart from God, apart from Jesus, the good shepherd, who is the door to eternal life and power and grace and a flourishing in anyone's life who would follow after him. John 10, 9, Jesus said, I am the gate, whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. And that's why we're committed as a church, Lompoc Foursquare, to, to share the gospel with everyone, to let our neighbors know that we're not just having church, but we're going to be the church. We are sheep, and all of us who need a shepherd, we are sinners, and all of us who need a Savior can find the grace we need, the mercy we need, the shepherd that we need in the presence of God, in, in the house of the Lord, now and forever. So there's one great desire. That's my first point. It's the presence of God. There were two specific times where David was driven out of the temple where he was unable to experience this, this fellowship with God. The first time was when he was running away from King Saul, who wanted to take his life. And the second time when he was running away from his son Absalom, who sought to dethrone him. On both these cases, David was forced to withdraw from the temple into the wilderness. And he knew the pain, the frustration of not being able to go to the temple where the presence of God was felt. So to hear him now say, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You know, it reminds me that sheep are continually moving going from the valley place to the mountaintop, going through pastures that have been grazed before and can be grazed upon again. And he says, I will dwell. See, the word dwell means to settle down and be at home. It's no more wandering, looking for the answers, looking for a place to flourish. It's always knowing that even though spiritually and emotionally, and even physically, that we can be on the move, that we have a settled place, the house of the Lord. See, the house of the Lord is a state of constant joy, no more sorrow, no more separation. And not just for now, oh, catch this, but for all eternity. What's David's word? Forever. We'll be dwelling in the house of the Lord. What a happy ending. <laughs> we all know that we will be alive in heaven a lot longer than we'll be alive on earth. And David has a fixation with the temple, not a fascination with the building itself, but what it represents. It's the place where God lived on the earth and where he lives in heaven, his house. It's a living fellowship. It's a, it's a communion. It's, it's sitting at the table he prepared for us. And it meant more to David than anything else. It's what separates the sheep from the goats. It's what separates a true child of God from the children of darkness. This is what separates the saved from the unsaved, the saints from the ain'ts. An unsaved person may come to the house of God and say a prayer and hear a teaching, sing songs and worship and search for God. 
After all, we welcome those investigating faith, seeking and searching. Our hearts are open. Our doors are open. Our online service is open. But a saved, redeemed person has something others don't have. They get to dwell in the presence of God now and forever. And each one of us were created with the capacity to have a relationship with God. And there's something inside of us. It's our heart longing for the presence of God. David had one desire And that one desire was to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He wanted to be in the presence of God more than anything else. Psalm 27, verse 4, David writes this, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And then Psalm 84.10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. The second thing is, there's one amazing place, and it's called heaven. Heaven, the house of the Lord, also has a reference to the life to come. This house of the Lord Lord, as we observe it, is on the other side of the valley of the shadow of death. And therefore, it's just a description of heaven. Heaven is the ultimate house of God. It is there in heaven that God dwells in the fullness of splendor and majesty. It's a place of ultimate beauty, truth, and human flourishing. It is a place of beauty and harmony and rest and serenity. Do you long for and enjoy God's presence? It's interesting to me that so many people want to go to heaven when they die, but want nothing to do with God now. Boy, will they be disappointed. (laughs) If they believe in Christ as their Savior, and then, well, they have a marginalized, detached relationship with God, You know what pastor and author Tim Keller said, that heaven is the uninterrupted presence of God. That means for all eternity, you're going to be in the presence of God. You better fall in love with him now. You better get to know him now. That means you don't have to fear death because death is not the end. God saved the best for last. And even though you might have a tough life here on earth, If you've asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, if you've believed in him who died and rose again from the dead, and you've placed your trust in him and your confidence in him, then you will dwell forever in the house of the Lord, where there's no more sorrow, suffering, no more sin, no more sickness, no more taxes, no no more sadness, no more problems, no more pain, no more pressure, but the list goes on and on. Jesus told his followers before he was crucified not to be troubled by all the current events, even his own crucifixion, because he was going to prepare a place for them in heaven. Now, truth be told, I've never been to heaven, but what I know from Scripture is that heaven is unbelievable. God's glory is waiting there for you. Ephesians 2, 5 to 7 says, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him 
in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And someday we're going to see that kindness unpacked for us right in front of our face when we see the Lord. Now, everything you've seen in movies about heaven is probably wrong. First, heaven is not nirvana. It's not a dream. It's not uh, metaphorical or some kind of attitude. It's not harps and clouds and floating spirits. Heaven is a physical place, not a state of being. Heaven is a permanent place that will last forever, and it's reserved only for God's family. And by the way, heaven is also not boring. We, we see a glimpse of heaven in Revelation 21, and we learn that we don't just kind of get to, to chill out or veg out or float around. A lot of the stuff you do here on earth is, is what you'll be able to do in heaven. You'll be able to eat in heaven and not even gain weight. You'll be able to sleep in heaven. You'll party in heaven. You'll talk. You'll fellowship. You'll pray. You'll worship. You'll sing, just to name a few. Heaven was created for us. And there are only two things that we get to do on earth that we can't do in heaven. In heaven, you can't sin, thank God, and you can't witness to a non-believer about Christ's love and forgiveness because only God's children are there. That's, that's why once you become a believer, God doesn't take you instantaneously to heaven. He wants you to pass on the good news of salvation and grace to other people. The reason you're going to heaven is because someone told you about the gospel. And now it's our turn to tell others around us to go into all the neighborhoods and the highways and the byways and compel people to come in, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're going to worship God forever. We'll be re reunited with those who, who love Jesus. We'll be rewarded for our faith, our hope, and our love. And we'll serve the Lord and worship him for all eternity. With confidence, we can say, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And that's my third point. It's one complete confidence forever. See, David has the assurance that he will dwell in the house, not made with hands, but an eternal place in the heavens in which there are many mansions and there are sure dwellings, quiet resting places for his people, and that will be for all eternity. See, the word forever means, well, literally, for the length of days, for prolonged, never-ending days. And once David began this relationship with the Lord, he was confident that it would never be severed. You know, Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 1 about heaven. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. You have a place reserved for you when you give your life over to Christ. He's already taken care of your eternity. Now, one night many years ago, we, we went to, to Dodger Stadium to watch the Dodgers play. We had some tickets, some pretty good seats. Our tickets gave us the right to sit in those seats. 
And as the game was ready to start, a group of people came up with an usher and started pointing their bony fingers at us. They were holding tickets, they said, that entitled them to our seats and that we were in their seats. I mean, the usher looked at us, looked at our tickets, asked us to get up. He pulled us aside into a corridor and we began to have a discussion. And the other group that came to get our seats were told that they had purchased bogus tickets. They found some scalpers on a street corner selling copycat tickets. When those of us who have given our lives over to Christ, someday we will walk into heaven and there's a reserved seat for us with your name on it. It's kept there. It can't fade. It can't be destroyed. And no one else will be in your seat. Isn't that good news? Well, we got to watch the game and eat some Dodger dogs. It was a great night. Why? Because we had purchased the right tickets. And Jesus, he purchased our salvation. We think about the worst enemy that we will ever face is the enemy of death, which is now defeated by the empty tomb of Jesus. Jesus conquered the enemy of death. His father raised him from the dead and crowned him as Lord of all, seating him at the right hand of God in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. His cup runneth over. And that's true of Jesus right now. In this moment, right now, as you hear this, Jesus is seated at the Father's right hand. He's triumphed over his enemies and our enemies. He's returned to dwell in the Father's presence where he will dwell forever, and he wants you and me to join him there at our appointed time. This is the truth I want you to remember in the last moments of your life. The reality is that when we understand that Psalm 23 is about our God as shepherd and Jesus as our shepherd, it means that when we're in the valley and we're stepping in the shadow of death, we're not stepping into the unknown because we have a Savior who's already gone through the valley of death. All we ever face is the shadow. The path has been proven. God in his pursuing goodness and mercy and steadfast love will never leave you and never leave me, just like he never left Jesus. Now, death is a real thing. I've been around a lot of death in my life. And someday, it's going to happen to you, and it's going to happen to me. Unless Jesus comes back first, we're all going to die someday. I know you don't want to think about it, and I'm sorry to remind you of it, but good news, good news. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's our praise. It's our worship. It's, it's our confidence. Whatever you might think about this moment or your next moment or your last moment, look to Jesus. And in fact, I want to ask you to do that right now. Right now, you don't even have to wait. Right now, in this moment, Look to Jesus Christ and put your faith in Jesus who died on the cross, who rose again from the dead. And remember, Jesus is our only hope. And we together will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why don't you say that with me? 
Just say this, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Go, go ahead and say it. Uh, if you're on live stream or if you're on Facebook live, just go ahead and type it in. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Go ahead and use caps if you want, an exclamation point. Because what a great, confident promise. And I think as we close, I, I want to just ask this question. Where have you placed your confidence? Where have you placed your confidence? The scripture says that some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of our God. Where have you placed your confidence? Now, something that I want you to consider is David placed all of his confidence in God, his shepherd. I shall not lack rest or provision. Why? He makes me lie down in green pastures. I shall not lack peace. Why? Because he leads me beside quiet waters. I shall not lack restoration or encouragement when I faint, fail, or fall. Why? He restores my soul. I shall not lack any guidance or fellowship. Why? Because he guides me in paths of righteousness. I shall not lack courage when my way seems dark. Why? Because even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. I shall not lack companionship. Why? Because God's with me. I shall not lack constant comfort. Why? Because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. I shall not lack protection or honor. Why? Because God prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. I shall not lack power. Why? Because he anoints our head with oil. I shall not lack abundance. Why? Because my cup overflows. I shall not lack God's perpetual presence. Why? Because goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And I shall not lack security. Why? Because I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The truth of David should be our truth today. The Lord's our shepherd. We can be confident in his goodness, in his grace, in his mercy. I pray that you will trust in the Lord like never before. Go back and read the 23rd Psalm every few days and remind yourself it's a summary of all that God is for us now, for our future, and for our eternity. May God richly bless you. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this Psalm. Thank you for the confidence that David possessed. May we possess that same confidence. There's nothing too hard for you, God. There's no sin that's gone too far that you can't redeem. That there's nothing that we've ever done that you cannot forgive. And there's nothing that we lack that you cannot provide for. Lord, no matter what we go through in this life, I pray we'll never forget that you're our shepherd and that you're with us. And God, I pray if anyone has yet to give their life over to you, that they would do that now through Jesus Christ, the good shepherd, and that they'll be able to say, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God bless you. If there's anything we do for you, please let us know. We're here. There's a prayer request form online at mylfc.com. Call our office, and I'll see you soon. And by the way, Easter's right around the corner, and it's going to be good. I hope you'll join us. We'll see you soon. We hope you enjoyed today's message. 
Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.